Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Okay, we're about ready to begin, so uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Thank God for this evening and ask Him to speak to hearts through uh, what the team has to share. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as believers and to celebrate what you've been up to through your people. Lord, I pray for the team as they share that you would give them the right words, that you would use uh, their experiences and their relating those experiences to speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that as a congregation we'd be open to whatever you want to say to us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We, we want to say welcome. Thank you guys for coming tonight and uh, just being here. And uh, if you were here last year, uh, what we'd kind of do and what we've done with other mission trips is just to kind of 
Um, each person up here has a piece of paper. It's got about 11 questions on it. That's more than we're going to get through tonight, but just kind of some discussion starters and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and we just want to share with you uh, about our week in Dewey, Haiti. Um, just a quick overview, and then we'll get into some of the questions uh, for tonight uh, so that you guys can get a glimpse of what it took to get there, what it took to get us through, and what it took to get us home because all of those things... Uh, have stories to go with them <laughs> that we'll share with you tonight. Uh, this group of six met up with twenty or with um, seventeen. Is that right? No, fifteen. There you go. My math is off. Fifteen others at uh, DFW Airport, and we all flew to Miami and then on to Port-au-Prince, um, representing five churches from around Texas. And uh, we went to uh, this this place that you saw in the video. It's called Dewey, Haiti. It's about four hours. Well, that's not true. It's about 80 miles north of Port-au-Prince, but it took us four hours to get there. So you can do the math on how fast we were going. We were kind of putting along there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it took us seven hours to get back. So there, there's a story that goes with that, too. So, um, And had a great week. We, took all the same, we brought back all the same people we took, which is important when you go out of the country. Um, we got all of our luggage back eventually, uh, thanks to American Airlines, and uh, we didn't lose anybody or anything significant while we were over there, and really had a really good trip, good, uh, just a good week, and uh, I don't know, you guys recovered yet, you think? You think so? Okay. All right, here's the deal. You guys have mics. They're muted, but we are recording tonight because there are people in other states and across the world that wanted to be here and couldn't. So no pressure or anything, but when you, have a, when, you have, when, when you speak tonight, speak into your mic so it can be recorded, all right? Let's start right off um, here with the first question. And some of these questions you guys can see down through the list. Like I said, we're not going to get through all of them. Uh, but uh, some of them will probably be better answered by a couple of people on the team and not everybody. Like this first one. Um, just uh, I'd kind of like for Sean and Deanne and maybe for Mary and myself to talk about God's provision for, for you personally, for you as a family, for you to be able to go on the trip. Uh, let's start there, all right? You guys want to start that or you want me to? Okay. I know, technology. I haven't <laughs> been around. I lost it for a week, so I don't know what to do with technology now. Um, to get us to Haiti, for the four of us, most of you are aware, it's $1,500 per person just for the trip. That doesn't count any food, any lodging, any anything else for that. Um, this church donated um, stuff because we all have stuff. And we had two yard sales, um, which raised enough money to pay for one of us to go, which was amazing. Um, and over and above that, God not only used that to provide part of our, our way, but he also used the leftovers to go to a, um, a location in Texas, a barrio, and it was given away for free to people who don't have anything just right here in Texas. So that stuff didn't just end in, in getting us to Haiti, but it went further than that. So God really did great. Um, Sean, you did a little bit of work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, this year uh, I did do some side jobs to be able to help pay for it. Uh, what really just amazed me was the love from the church. Uh, when Deanne started to come up with ideas, we were, you know, brainstorming about fundraisers. We were looking at a spaghetti dinner, just different stuff. And she came up with the idea for a yard sale. I mean, everybody's got stuff and put the word out. And it just, it really amazed me how God can work, and uh, I mean, the stuff just kept pouring in, I mean, up to the day of the yard sale. And that was great, having people deliver stuff to be sold the day of the yard sale. People were bringing stuff. As stuff was being sold, new stuff was coming in to sell, so that was pretty awesome. Last year, I know when we went, uh, you know, I stressed out a lot about finances, of how to pull this off and everything, and... Uh, one area that I grew in, I just I, I turned it over to God this year, and there was no no worries about where the money was going to come from. Uh, I knew if we were meant to go as a family, He would provide, and it was really amazing how He He was able to provide all of that. And through this church and through several business contacts that I personally have, 
um, we not only raised the base $6,000 that, that was airfare and food and everything that it took to go, but we covered, God also covered our expenses for travel, food and, and lodging and, and gasoline and everything that it took to get us there. So out of our regular budget for our household, we were out the $120 that I used to get my passport, which I did not have. So that was, I mean, God's provision was absolutely amazing and, and overwhelming for all of us to go as a family. Cool. Well, our story is a little bit different. Uh, in February, we started, excuse me, in February, checks started showing up here at Coastal Oaks Church in the office. And they, one came in February, and it was marked Barlow Haiti Trip. And one came in March, and it was marked Barlow Haiti Trip. And one came in April, and it was marked Barlow Haiti Trip. It was all from the same person. Uh, and she was a member of our church at one time and uh, now uh, has moved off. But uh, by the time it was said and done, this one individual had, had just sent month through month $1,200 towards the cost of our trip. Uh, and you can just kind of do the math on that. It's 1500 per person. Uh, total investment out of our pocket for this trip was like 250 or $300 uh, is really what it comes down to. Um, and uh, really, what, what you guys didn't mention, but is, it, it needs to be mentioned tonight, um, as far as provision goes, is that we were all paid, not only was it not a stressor, we, we were all paid, what, eight weeks before we left? Yes, or, or maybe, maybe yeah. more than that. Uh, you know, it wasn't even a thought within, within two months of the trip. We, we weren't having to worry about, okay, I've got $800 left that I need to come up with and that kind of stuff. So, God's provision... Uh, definitely on display for, for the team and well, for this trip, too. And, and on top of that, I mean, Sean has taken two weeks off work. He, he, you, most of you guys know he's on rotation offshore, so he, he took this entire rotation off, and he's being paid. Yeah. He, he's technically on standby as far as his job is concerned. And so he's being paid 12 hours a day to work in Haiti <laughs> and to put a floor in my house. Yeah. So... <laughs> God, God provided not only the funds to go, but he's also kept our finances flowing smoothly um, in the time that we were gone. So that's amazing. Now, we can't guarantee that for you if God calls you to Haiti, okay? Uh, but we want to mention that just kind of as, a, uh, as an example of, you know, uh, when God calls us to something, he definitely provides a way. Uh, and, and this year it was above and beyond uh, what we planned, what we expected, what we even hoped for, so... Cool. All right, let's, uh, let's shift gears. You guys who were returners this year, what were you most looking forward to uh, or who were you most looking forward to going back and seeing or uh, experiencing again? Going back and playing with the kids. Okay. Um, I have to agree with Justin. I was looking forward to going back and seeing the kids. As a teacher, I was looking forward to seeing the classrooms. Um, unfortunately... <laughs> All the stuff was already pulled out of the classroom so that we could have a place to sleep, but I could just imagine what it looked like. Uh, there was a little boy there last year that I made a real good connection with, Adufo, uh, and to be able to see him, I don't, I, yeah, I called him Buddy the whole time. Yeah. So, but to be able to see him and, and for him to recognize me when I got back over there, you know, after a year, it was pretty neat. Yeah, and you guys, you know, if you go to this church, you kind of know my place and what music does in my life. Uh, they have a, a, a worship pastor at the Rice Paddy Church, a guy named Pastor Mike Lee, and I think that's how you pronounce his name, Mike Lee, Mark Lee, uh, something like that. Uh, but he and I kind of connected last year a little bit, um, and, and to be able to see him and to go back and, you know, just kind of, you know, uh, they hug like nobody's business down there, so... Um, when, when he first saw me, he I think he, he cracked a rib or two hugging me. So it was good to be able to reconnect with, with Pastor Mike Lee. All right, Deanne, you're up. Uh, from a first-timer's perspective, how did you get ready to go on this trip? Well, that was really easy. Mike Brister, who is um, Steptones Ministries International, he, he's the founder, and, and he was our leader for the, the whole trip. He sent us a packet before we left, and it had a book. That was 30 days of preparation before. It was scripture verses. It was specific um, suggestions to pray about, questions to to prepare my heart, to prepare me for to go. Um, and also, Mary and I ran a 5K together, and we trained beforehand to get to do that. So we we um, physically just 
to be ready to, because I knew the heat. I, I lead a sed, I'm a sedentary job. I'm a secretary, basically. So I knew that the physical exertion would take a toll if I was not prepared for that. But spiritually and mentally, that, that book that Mike provided um, was phenomenal. It, it was great to know that everyone on the team was reading the same scriptures, praying the same prayers, going through the same thing every day. So you were praying in unison, even though we ne- some of us had never met before. It was great to know that. So that was an easy way to get prepared. All right. Um, let's move on. Uh, for anybody up here, what uh, in the days leading up to the trip or the days leading up to the day we left, we actually left Rockport on June 3rd. We didn't fly out till the 4th, but we had to you know, go to Dallas, and you can't just kind of go around the corner and be there. So we left a day early. Um, but um, in the days leading up into the trip, uh, talk about uh, your greatest fear or what you perceived as the biggest negative going into the trip. That one was pretty easy for me, uh, the weather. Uh, I don't know how many people were actually paying attention to the weather a couple of weeks ago, but they were talking about uh, tropical depression going right over the top of Haiti while we were there. And uh, it's just another prime example of the way God protects because for the week we were there, it rained one day during the day that we were there. Now, at night it would rain, but one day while we were there, we actually had rain, so... We didn't see, there was flooding all around us, but we didn't see any of it. So. I had several folks ask me before, you know, at work and, and such as I was getting ready to leave, are you anxious? What, you know, what's going on? What's in your head? Are you, are you ready to go? I'm like, I did not have one real tangible anxiety before we left. And, and from, it, I've flown before, but we've never flown as a whole family. And I know people who refuse to fly as a whole family because if something happens to the plane and you're all on it, then you're all gone. And so they won't even fly together as a couple because of that fear. So I I can't say honestly that there were any anxieties. God completely calmed my spirit and just really spiritual. I know I was I'm really not that spiritual, Mary, but God really just calmed me. And I I just didn't. I did. I didn't leave my kids behind, though. (laughs) Yes, that was that was that had some cause for anxiety. But I think for me, ultimately, it was a comparison of last year's trip. Um, the two nights before, I just could not go to sleep, and I don't know why. I, re- I mean, I prayed about it, and I just didn't get any peace about it um, because I was just wrestling with the fact of I had gone before, so I already knew what to expect. I knew, you know, where we were going to be sleeping, and you know, the bathrooms, and all, you know, the no shower. I already had all that under my belt. But I just wanted it to be such a good experience compared to last year. And so I think that was my anxiety, knowing that this was twice, well, the group was twice as big as last year. So I was concerned about that because I'm not big on, you know, weenie heads. If you're, you know, if you're going to go to Haiti, you know, let's, you know, suck it up, you know, be a big boy, big girl. So I was concerned that we had so many students on our trip that I was going to hear complaining and, and things like that. Yeah, I have grace and mercy, but not on mission trips. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what, what that says about me. But I think mine was just anxiety of comparing it to my my last year's experience, which and it was a different trip, but it was it was you know wonderful. For me, it was kind of weird. Um, I've flown a lot before, and I was actually kind of scared about the flight. It's kind of strange. It's just like I know Mary had that problem last year. And it was just like that first step onto the first plane was just like completely nerve-wracking. Well, uh, this is this was my third year to go, and I I kind of had this thought last year going into the trip in in 2010. Um, what if what if some of the people I connected with in '09 are not there in 2010? And you know, I I talked about it a little bit last year uh, at this same time. But that thought came back again this year as we're getting ready to go. You know, I'm, I've, I've got faces and names popping back in my mind. And especially for the younger kids, maybe some of the, even the orphan kids who are, who are taken care of by folks in the Rice Paddy Church. Uh, you know, have they gotten the, the nutrition or the sustenance they need this year? Uh, you know, are they well? Are they healthy? Are they still going to be there? Um, and that, that was one of the things that... Uh, from the first year to the second was a big deal, and I, for me, uh, I didn't expect it to be so much this year, but, but it kind of was. I found myself when I got there, 
looking around for those familiar faces, for those, uh, especially those young familiar faces who all know me by, uh, you know, Andy Toi, that's my, that's my name in Douay. In, in Creole, you count, un, de toi, that's one, two, three. So that's my name uh, in Creole. They call me Andy Toi, uh, one, two, three. So, and it got so bad towards the end of the week that um, even the adults were just calling me one, two, three. Hey, one, two, three, come here, get that, one, two, three. I'm like, okay, fine. So, all right. Uh, oh, you got one? Go. Mine was probably because there was 21 people going on this trip. But getting to be more personal with the people that we were going with, I mean, but we really had no problem with them. Cool. All right, so we are, we leave Port-au-Prince. We get to Douai uh, in about four, four and a half hours. We pull into the, or we're, we're bouncing down this, this road, this wonderful highway of a road, and uh, the canal's next to us. It's raining when we pull in, and it's, what, about 8, 8.30 at night, but it feels like it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. It is dead, still black. What are you guys thinking as we pull up into the parking lot? Or if you can call it that even. <laughs> as we pull up into the sinkhole that is supposed to be the parking lot uh, and start to unload there at the school. What are you guys thinking? I was thinking it got a little bit further away. Yeah. Because <laughs> it seemed a whole lot longer than it did the year before. Yeah. Just when you think you're about there, add on two more hours. That's my theory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got off the highway. There was an actual highway, Highway 1, because that's how many highways they have in Haiti. Uh, we got off Highway 1, and Mike, our, our, our tour guide, trip guide, said, we'll be there in 45 minutes. Well, you know, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes later, we're pulling in, and that's just kind of the way it was. So, Well, uh, Mike had told us on the way that he had a surprise for us when we got to the, the school, and I, we we all I've been told when Mike says you have he has a surprise for you be prepared for the worst. <laughs> he's a he's a jokester and he likes to to play jokes on people and so we were you know discussing back and forth a little bit what the surprise was we had no clue. Well, when we get there and I see artificial light, there were there was a generator running and they had a light on on the porch of the school and there were lights in each of the classrooms where we were going to be staying. And then Mike takes us down after we get out. He takes us down to the end of the school and around the corner. And there's brand new construction right there. We can tell it's new. And he opens the door and there is a toilet. Oh, it flushes too. a flush handle. Two. And next to it is a shower. Two. Two of each. Two showers and two and there were two Yeah, two showers, two toilets. We thought that was the surprise. I was, I was ecstatic that that was the surprise. Then he takes us to what's going to be our dining room for the rest of the week and gives us the real surprise, and it's a refrigerator. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> I was prepared to sleep in a tent and go potty in a bucket. And <laughs> we got to flush the toilet and take a shower and drink cold drinks at the end of the day. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure where they obtained it, but they came up with a refrigerator that was propane powered. It was literally hooked to a propane tank, and maybe you guys are familiar with it, but how you convert burning propane to refrigeration, I'm not sure, but that was the way it worked. So. When, it, when we did arrive, uh, we did have a little bit of light, but it's still frustrating not being able, you know, to see because in America, you know, turn on a light switch and you know there it is and so and it was raining when we got there so just getting everything two rooms and unloaded was you know quite no dear you're already exhausted but I just remember that being a, a you know a little bit of frustration involved not being able to really see you know we have our goofy headlamp lights you know lights on and which was a great buy but um, it's still hard not to be able to just turn that switch on and see where you're going. And it was a great reminder of Pastor Kevin's favorite phrase, or one of his favorite phrases, uh, where there's light, there's bugs. <laughs> Amen. By the millions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Justin, you want to tell your story about bugs? Maybe later. No, 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 no. go ahead. This is a good place. This is go a ahead. good time. Go, go ahead, ahead, Justin. Well, it was probably, was it Wednesday? Or Second Tuesday? night. Second or third night. Okay. Well, anyways. We go to get in bed, and there's probably four trillion, gazillion <laughs> bugs in my bed, and they just keep coming in. And so I'm trying to, you know, stomp all the bugs and <laughs> <laughs> doing look like the pee-pee dance on the bugs. 
And so I get out of my mosquito net and then just start walking around in circles in our room. Yeah. Trying to kill all the bugs on me. What no, but where did you end up? Where did you end up after you yeah, got out of Yeah, go ahead. Bed? Put that one on there. Yeah. I ended up sleeping most of the night with my dad. <laughs> now, what we are mattress. sleeping on is a single mattress <laughs> that is like two inches thick. Foam so, mattress, yeah. Yeah, a little foam mattress. Yeah. What he didn't tell you was they had turned the light off outside, and they'd all come down the curtain. Yeah. And I'd felt a couple of them, and I kind of turned on the light, and... I guess not being a real compassionate dad, you know, it took me about 10 minutes to quit laughing enough to <laughs> figure out that. And, of course, he's going around with a headlamp still on, looking at these bugs, so it just keeps attracting more bugs. Yeah. It was a learning experience, you know. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. Red light is your friend. And, and, and that is the same night that we found out that our youth pastor wasn't as good as he, he pretends to be Uh-oh. because I told him a good youth pastor would let the... You sleep with him, and he told me flat out he was not a good youth pastor. <laughs> and this is all happening while all the girls are in the next room listening to Yeah. Me. And it sounds really, really funny when you can't see it. It was yeah, funny when you seen it. Yeah. All we heard was stomping feet and screaming like girls from the room next door. Well, anyways... <laughs> Um, what I was thinking when we, once we got there, <laughs> good transition, <laughs> was when are we going to get to go to sleep? Because we were all tired. I mean, none of us wanted to get the luggage out of the dump truck, and I was ready to go to bed. That's what I was thinking. And then we got to set up mosquito nets before we went to bed. Yeah. Yeah. In years past, we had either been in, well, I guess both years I had been, we had been in tents, and tents are kind of a big sealed mosquito net. Well, this year we were hanging our mosquito nets and tucking them up under our little, you know, two-inch foam mattresses and that kind of stuff. So, had to be that all had to be done before we got to bed, and uh, so yeah, that was that was kind of difficult, digging for lights and that kind of stuff. We done? All right. All right. So we get up day two. We get there. We eat breakfast. Uh, day two. This is not on your sheet, but day the, set, the first day, full day, we were actually in Haiti. Uh, we it was Sunday. And they they have kind of a rule that you don't work on Sunday. So um, we went to church at the Rice Paddy Church. So um, let's take a minute and maybe a couple of folks share um, what was your what was what was the highlight of of your time at, at the Rice Paddy Church. Uh, what really struck me was uh, they had a couple of testimonies and that the way that uh, there was a gentleman got up there and I be. He is singing. He, he starts out talking. Uh, of course, he's talking in Creole. We can't understand him. Next thing you know, he's kind of dancing down the aisles and just, I mean, really cutting up. But you could just see the joy on his face. And we were lucky that uh, John Alik, the pastor that's from uh, Port-au-Prince area that uh, has started this out there, was sitting right with us. And he got to telling us, translating for us what the guy was saying. And it was that he'd been real sick, and he'd went to uh, witch doctors. He'd been to the hospital. He'd been to doctors, and none of them could do anything for him. So as a last resort, he came to the church, and he started going there. And that was his testimony. By going to church and finding God, he was healed. You know, but just to see the way that they, uh, their testimony, they don't, like if one of us gets up to do a testimony, we talk about it. They don't. They sing their testimony, and it was really neat. Well, and the other the woman who gave her testimony was a very similar story, but hers was about her child, and um, her child had been very sick, and she took her child to the doctors, took her child to the witch doctor, took her child to anybody she could think of, and she brought the child to the church. And she, in bringing the child to church, she came to Christ, and her child was healed. And so, and yeah, just the, the fact that she speak, she starts out speaking just like I'm talking to you right now, and she breaks into song. And the next thing you know, you know, Bear Larry is over there banging out on the piano, and, and Mike's over there beating on the drums. And I'm telling you, it was just a worship service, just her giving her testimony of what God had done and how happy and joyful she was because she'd found God. And the great joy of that was that she still had her child because the healing was instant. 
when we, we got there, actually, right as the, well, we, we got there as church was starting, but um, for me, I, you know, I like, to, I like to find familiar things. That's a, that's a connection point for me. And the first song that they sang, of course, it was in Creole, and so it wasn't exactly what, uh, what we were used to. But they, they start singing, this is my story, this is my song. Is that, that was it, right? Yeah, uh, praising my Savior. All, and, and, you know, it's, it's not reformed, it's not refined. It's just worship. Uh, you know, crude instruments, uh, an upright piano that was probably last tuned in about 1977. Uh, you know, uh, one kind of a, 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 I guess, a mid-sized tom or maybe a, a low-end uh, a small bass drum that somebody's banging out a beat on. Uh, I believe there was a triangle. Somebody was using a little triangle, you know, a little metal triangle. But but all of that they put together uh, as just a, a beautiful, honest, authentic worship experience. And there wasn't a person in there that wasn't at least trying uh, to be involved with what was going on. So uh, that, that was that was very encouraging. It did take a little bit to figure out what they were singing because the words were different. And I'm, I get hung up on words. I, I, I hear the words and that I can't get them out of my head and I can't figure out what the next song is. But they also did Ancient Words, oh, yeah. which was so cool to hear them sing Ancient Words in Creole and know that we were singing the same words in English. That was pretty great. Um, we had one of the, the youth pastors from our group preached and it was translated, and, you know, we prayed over him before um, because I can't imagine how hard it is to, to preach and then also to wait for a translator, you know, to translate what you're saying. And he did just a phenomenal job. He really, I mean, absolutely, I mean, it was just, it was just something tangible that they could, um, could relate to. He just talked about, you know, as we were traveling through the town that the night we came in, that he noticed people had little, you know, little lights on and, and fires. And so he kind of talked, you know, used that as a spiritual um, reference. Um, but it was just so great because after he finished one line and it was translated, they were, you know, clapping and amen. And, and it just reminded me when <laughs> when we were here and Andy preached, he got a hard time from going a little over, you know, a little over the time limit, whatever. But I just thought it was great because, I mean, if we were to do that in America, our services would be so, <laughs> so long. But, I mean, they were just so appreciative of us. I, don't, I think we're the only group that, that goes to Dewey. And so, you know, we're the only white people that they see, you know, throughout the year. And they are just so appreciative of, of us being there and being a part of it and, and, you know, trying to help out their community. So that was really neat because they, they really did, you know, clap and amen after every line, every, every part of the sermon. For me, it was watching, in our church, we, the little kids get separated from big church, and um, everyone was in the same service, watching, listening to the same people preach and sing, and it was really cool to watch, even some of the little kids started clapping, it was really cute, but the bigger kids were sitting in front of the men, and they were actually interacting in the service. All right, so we get up on day three, and it's the first work day. Uh, we've got two job sites going. We're, we're painting at the school where we're staying. Uh, this is the same school that we went to last year that, that uh, we put a roof on. Uh, in 2009, I was with the team that actually helped build the foundation for that. So uh, I've kind of been there from the ground up on, on that building. And now, uh, back in uh, September, they actually started using the school on a daily basis. Uh, they go to school year-round. In fact, the only reason they were out is because we were sleeping in their school rooms. They were going uh, to the church. They had school at the church. Yeah, they moved it. Uh, first, it was out under a tree, and that didn't work because, you know, distractions and things. So they, they hiked it about three-quarters of a mile down to the church and had, what, about 150 kids in a room about half this size, all four, four, four classes, basically, all being taught in one room, blackboard here, blackboard here, blackboard here, blackboard here, and you're supposed to, you know, face your teacher, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's where they did school for the week while we were sleeping in their place. Uh, so the two projects we were working on was uh, painting at the school. And we actually started from the ground building a foundation for a building right next to uh, the Rice Paddy Church. That was much of the digging that you saw. Uh, that will be a building that will house teams when they go to Douay uh, to do work. And it's not always going to be construction teams. We're probably about two to maybe two and a half years away from actually spent sending 
uh, folks that can do spiritual type training uh, for pastors and uh, that kind of stuff in there. Uh, so it'll just be a building that will house those people, two smaller rooms where people can sleep, segregated, a big kind of a mess hall type room, and bathrooms. We're actually building bathrooms on this one to begin with. It's not going to be a perk. So, um, and, and they separated our group with such a large group, it really wasn't hard to do, uh, and sent most of the guys to dig, uh, and it was literally dig. What, Sean, we could have been out in, what, 45 minutes if we'd had a backhoe or something like that? You know, one one backhoe. Couldn't somebody come up with one backhoe? But um, we spent, what, two and a half days digging that trench out, and then it rained one night and filled it up with water, and that was fun. Um, so, um, what as we're going through the week, because we are separated as a team, uh, the, the ladies mostly were doing the painting with a couple of tall guys that could reach up. Uh, as we're going through the week and uh, the, the guys are digging and moving rock and uh, mixing concrete on the ground and carrying it in, in five-gallon buckets, uh, you know, uh, that, that, what a half, two and a half gallons of, of concrete weighs about, what, 60 pounds or so, Sean, something like that. So, I mean, yeah, you can kind of do the math of what we're doing there. Um, what, what are you thinking or what was your greatest challenge to overcome uh, as far as the, work, the, the, uh, the scope of work goes during the week? What was your greatest challenge in the work? Well, for me, I was kind of surprised because I was expecting it to be, you know, super hot like it was last year, and it really wasn't. I mean, it was like 88 degrees, so it really wasn't in crowd coverage all week. But for me, it was probably, I mean, just because there was one person, and there was one person, you know, name anonymous. His name is anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous, and he kind of kept throwing a kink in our uh, working pattern, and you know, kind of got annoyed. Yeah. But yeah, that was probably the hardest thing to kind of keep your mouth shut and just keep going. <laughs> right. Right. Well, to keep focused on where God's called you to and to what what you're supposed to be doing there. So yeah, that's good. What the, else? The biggest frustration for me was um, I went to Haiti to serve with my family. I went to Haiti to work beside these guys. And uh, they walked three-quarters of a mile down the road in the morning, and we saw them again at lunch, and then they left, and then we saw them again at night when they got done. And it was, I have to admit, I was getting a little frustrated because I was like, I came to Haiti to serve with my family. I didn't come to Haiti to serve with, you know, seven other women and paint. But I just, I just had to pray through that, and yes, I know, Mary, I'm uber spiritual. Thank you very much. <laughs> But <laughs> I just had to pray through that and let God just calm my spirit and say, you are doing what I sent you here to do. And so I got to serve with TJ. I mean, there's a few pictures of us staring at each other through bars where we were painting them. So I'm not sure who was in jail and who was visiting, but it, it looks like that. Um, and then the last day we did get to actually serve together, digging ditches and, and moving rocks and carrying concrete. So and it was glorious, wasn't it? Was it was fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad I only got to do it one day. Yeah. And I have the bruises to prove it. Yeah. I think for me, it was just that we didn't have the equipment that we could have had in the States. We had really junky paintbrushes. I didn't even know we were supposed to paint, or I would have thrown in a couple of things that, that we could have used. But, um, you know, we're painting for three straight days, and the first two days were, were you know, in, enjoyable, whatever. But... <laughs> Um, the third day was really humid, and we had a lot of um, newbies on our team, on our group, and they didn't want to paint, you know. And so I think me and Dan, we, we, we kind of had some come-to-Jesus meetings about that. We, we kind of we had to pray because and, and, it felt like at one point it was just us two working. And I know that that's, that was just my, what I, my vision, what I was seeing, because, you know, I was looking out, and some of them were playing with kids, and I was like, oh, it must be nice to go play with kids, you know. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that God just brought to my attention. This is what I had for you to do. You know, don't go home with an attitude thinking, well, I wish I would have done dot, dot, dot. And I really did the last two or three hours. I mean, I was... She I was, was a painting fool. That's what she I was. I was on the ladder all by myself, and I just, I mean, it was just great worship. And it started raining on her. And she's I loved like, it. no, you are not going to take this ladder away from me. You're no. not going to take my paintbrush. No, I'm you're not going to take my paintbrush. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the guys came back, and everybody was like, why don't you take a break? I was like, no, I'm going to finish strong because last year when I left, I felt like I could have done more. 
And I was bound and determined this year to go out 110%. And I really, God just, just gave me that peace and said, you've done what you needed to do. And, um, but, yeah, not having the right equipment when you need it. What? Excuse me, was kind of frustrating. And just the quality of the paint was not the best. I mean, if we were to do a paint job here at Coastal, we'd probably get Cindy fired. would have had a fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what, the, a spray rig and a backhoe, we'd have been done in a day. <laughs> yes. But the Haitian women came in, and they were just like, I mean, just like it was the they most gushing beautiful the- thing they had ever seen. So that was, that was encouraging. For me, it was, we were painting the inside of the rooms for the first day we were painting. And then the second day, we started painting some of the railings or the bars and stuff. And I was getting stuck on the outside, painting the outside of the bars and the outside of the doors. And I was constantly surrounded by a group of girls. They were about 10, so they were that kind of annoying age. <laughs> and um, they would keep coming over to me and touching me. And I was kept having to tell them, don't, don't touch it. And they wanted to touch the paint. And it was acrylic paint. Oiled, whatever. And um, it, was, it wouldn't get off of them. And finally, one of the girls put her whole hand on it and got it all over her hand. And I was like, you're not going to be able to get it off. And she starts scrubbing it. And she got some of it off. And she just started laughing at me. <laughs> but it was constantly being surrounded by all these little kids and not being able to, like, go inside and close the door and be by yourself. It was constantly being surrounded. No, no privacy. None like, whatsoever. Everybody. We were celebrities. The celebrity status is, uh, uh, no, thank you very much. Yeah, nobody follows us around this week. I don't, I'm like having no, some I, I know. withdrawals. <laughs> oh, knock it off. I need an entourage. <laughs> you have a family. What else do you need? They don't want to follow me around. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk for a few minutes. Uh, just we've got a few, just a few minutes left, and I want to hit a couple of questions before uh, we run out of time. Um, we've talked about a challenge that, that you that you had to kind of pray through or overcome during the week. Um, how did how did God speak to you during the week about how He was using you in the work that was going on there in Douay? I think for me. Um, you guys know that I was collecting markers um, to take to the teachers. And as soon as I wasn't able to actually see the teachers, I mean, I had this whole vision of, you know, giving them these 800 markers and, you know, getting hugs and, you know, all crying. And I didn't get to, I didn't, I got chipped, I got gypped out of it. No, um, I didn't get to see them receive it. Um, and so when I came back, my family, you know, just kept asking, you know, how the markers go over, you know. And so I kind of explained and they, they kind of got frustrated too but I just, I just envision those markers, because they were not even able to use the dry erase board, so they didn't even have them on the walls. And John Alix, the pastor, I asked him, I said, are the teachers going to be surprised? And he said, you know, he's like, yeah, because they haven't even been able to use the boards. Um, and two weeks before we left, he actually called um, our leader and asked, hey, can somebody bring some markers? And he was like, well, we've already got a gal on that. And so that was my heart to give tools to the teachers. And so even though I didn't get to see them receive it and use it and and see the kids, I know that that is going to go, I mean, it's just going to be, I mean, I can't even describe what that's going to hopefully do for their classroom. And I just hope that God uses those um, to educate those kids so they can learn how to read. Um, They can can be educated because a lot of the kids aren't. And so to me, that was just being able, you know, one person being able to, to make a big difference from using the resources that we have in our church. And, you know, I was getting markers the day before we were leaving for DFW in the mail. And so that was neat to see how so many people contributed and I could just, you know, give, give that to them. So that was, that was my um, There were nine students in college or high school on the trip with us, and I, I didn't really, I, I love, I love teenagers. These, these guys, I mean, that's where God has me right now. I have teenagers in my house. I love having teenagers over to my house. I love hanging out with them, and college-age kids are just amazing. I think college is one of the greatest things we can do for our students, but 
those those kids, um, they were, one of the guys got called six hours before we left and said, hey, somebody can't go. Can you come with us? And he had a passport and a suitcase, and he came to Haiti with us. So for me, God just said, you're here to show an example to these kids, these students who um, are growing and will shape the future of our churches, that will shape the future of ministry, that will shape the future of missions. You're to show them the heart of love that Christ has for you and for the other people that are here. So I just loved interacting with them and, and you know, handing Josh, tall guy, Josh, he was a tall guy. He was an inch shorter than Justin. And he's a tall guy who got to paint with us. And, and I would load his roller and hand it up to him so he didn't have to get off the ladder all the time to move around. And so just getting to interact with the students like that was just great. And, and being able to affirm them and being there and that they were there because God had called them, that was pretty cool for me. One thing that just really helped me during the week was the fact of, uh, along with the youth that went, I mean, how many did you say we had youth? There was nine youth there, but to see their heart, the way that their heart really was into it, you know, they weren't there just to have a good time. <clears throat> All nine of them were, I mean, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we really, we laughed a lot. And, but to see their heart really in it, I mean, yes, we had a few of them that weren't real motivated when it came to work, but to watch them actually love on the kids, you know, they were the first one out there to, you know, goof off with the kids. Yeah, Josh would spend eight hours on a chair with a paint roller in his hand. The next thing we know, he's out running around kicking a soccer ball with all the kids for three hours, getting nasty sweaty. And I'm like, where did that energy come from? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to brag on uh, Sean and Justin real quick because um, I don't know if, if I said it this plainly, uh, but specifically, if Sean hadn't gone last year in, in 2010 on this trip, we would not have finished what we finished last year in getting the roof put on the school. Uh, just with his knowledge of framing and uh, being able to walk in and say, okay, it's that big, we need this many materials. Okay, we don't have it, but we can make it work this way. Uh, there was nobody else on the trip last year that had that kind of knowledge and had that kind of experience uh, and was able to execute it um, like 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 he did. And Justin... Uh, is is uh, I'm just gonna say a chip. Uh, don't don't think the old block, okay? But a chip <laughs> off the block. How about that? Uh, in that he doesn't have the experience, but uh, as far as the knowledge goes, but he has the desire to learn, has the um, uh, just the heart to just to be there. I mean, uh, you know, who else smiles digging a ditch? Well, he was doing it all week, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad somebody was because it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't easy work, so it was good. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes left, um, about 10 minutes. So I want to just hit really on, uh, on two questions, and then we'll be finished. Uh, Mike uh, Brister was our our trip leader, chauffeur, whatever you want to call it. He's the one that has the the heart to take groups into Dewey, who we've kind of aligned with. I went with him in '09. I went with him last year. Took five folks now, or four folks then. Now five folks this year. Uh, if they go back in 2012, then I, I have a feeling that that we'll be there uh, for that as well. Um, but he talked during the week. Mike doesn't just take people on mission trips. He, he wants to help people take that experience home, back home with them. Um, and so we spent a lot of time uh, after supper each evening talking about breaking down the day, talking about your highlight of the day. Uh, towards the end of the week, we talked about uh, condensing that one story that you say you have one shot to tell somebody about Haiti. Do it in two minutes. Uh, and, and really condense that down. He also talked about something called reverse culture shock, uh, which is a phenomenon that kind of happens when uh, a person has, from one culture has a brief but extreme exposure to another culture, like uh, air-conditioned Americans going to spend a week in mosquito-infested Douay, Haiti. Uh, that's intense because it's way different than what we're used to. And so he talked about reverse culture shock, uh, in coming back home and getting adjusted, uh, being able to walk to a, a switch on the wall and flip the lights on, and, and that thought maybe take you back to, well, those folks in Dwayne don't have that, or being able to flush a potty as many times as you want, 
and uh, not necessarily run by the rules that we had for the potties all week. So I'll spare you those details, but if you want to know about them, you can ask them later how we flush the potties and stuff. Um, but, but he talked about uh, that uh, in going back and, and taking that back. So uh, just briefly, maybe a couple of folks, not everybody, but just a couple of folks, talk about um, how you've experienced or a, a frustration that you've experienced along the lines of coming back, of that reverse culture shock, of what you experienced there, now you're back here. Things are obviously the same way they le- when we left, but that we have that trip, that week to process in where we are now. So, so a couple of folks maybe talk about that. For me, the three of us have been home all week together doing stuff. <laughs> and um, she's been at work, and we've been helping cook dinner and just doing house a little bit. And um, the ladies who were cooking our meals worked all day. They worked, woke up before us and started cooking breakfast before we got up. And then they cooked. Which was at 5 a.m., by the way, right? We were getting up about 5, 5.30 because that's when the sun comes up. And they took our lunch. And then as, almost as soon as lunch, we got done eating. They were already washing the dishes and starting for dinner. And when we got home, we were helping cook dinner. And... We didn't have to wait. We didn't have to work five hours to cook dinner. It was thirty minutes, and you're done. And it was kind of like a real eye opener, like how privileged we are to see that it only took us thirty minutes to do what took them five hours. Yeah, we had a team of ladies. It was three, I believe. That 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 was their entire purpose for this trip. They just cooked for our team. And so, like I said, we were getting. They would serve breakfast what six thirty to seven. They were up at 4, 4.30 to start breakfast. Uh, they were, you know, as soon as, like she said, as soon as breakfast was done, they were working on lunch. As soon as lunch was done, they were working on dinner. Uh, and we had good food. I mean, we did, the, the food was not lacking in any, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Somebody else. I think for me, it's going to the grocery store, and I really still haven't even gotten groceries because it's overwhelming to sit there at the cereal aisle and see, you know, 400 different choices of cereal and to be able to just go and pick a tomato off of a, you know, or bananas just off of a shelf. And that's why I haven't gotten groceries yet, by the way. Um, to Thank me, you. to me that it, it is overwhelming to go into a grocery store. Like I said, I've, I've been to HEB maybe twice and it's just been to get something real quick and take it home. Um, because I don't want to, you know, humiliate myself in the middle of, um, in the, um, in, the, in the grocery store, but, yeah, and just being able to just turn on water, and, I mean, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's I get an a amazing picture, invention. I get water, a picture of baby. Mary in the middle of H-E-B with a bag full, or bu- basket full of groceries, <laughs> just sobbing uncontrollably. Ma'am, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's shift gears with just the few minutes that we have left. Um, let's talk about, uh, or you uh, share with, uh, with us tonight, what was, your, what was your highlight of the trip? Uh, probably one of the last days we were there. I guess it's Thursday. Uh, one of the things on our list was to take were bubbles, the little bubbles that they blow. And uh, we came back from working one day, and Deanne and TJ and uh, one of the other ladies, Caitlin, was out there, and they were blowing bubbles for these kids. And I say kids, there were teenage boys out there playing with the bubbles, trying (laughs) to pop them. But just to sit there and to know how much joy they got of something that that we don't even think twice about, but just watching them and, and, and watching Deanne and TJ out there get to get to play with them with that. Mine was probably Thursday whenever, okay, the morning we worked, and then after lunch, Mike gave us the decision to either go back and work or stay and play with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I have chose to stay and play with the kids, and... I honestly might have rather gone and worked because they worked me to death. <laughs> they wanted, they didn't want to stop playing, and it was fun. For me, it was, I think on the same night, um, we were just sitting on the porch waiting on dinner, 
and Andy and Danny were sitting there playing the guitar, and Pastor Michael Lee was sitting there, and they were all singing the same song. And it was really cool just to watch them actually know the same song and get to sing it together in Creole and English. And then the same night, um, this little girl that kind of stole my heart that week, um, her name is Vanessa. Vanessa. Um, she's about Avery's age, I think. Yeah. And um, her, she was attached to her, sis- her sister's kid all week. And she was sitting in a chair in front of me. And I was sitting there making the popping noise with my mouth. And she kept trying to do it. And she'd start laughing at me. And just laughing in general. And just to watch her just light up whenever I did that was so awesome. There were two um, two young ladies who... I really got attached to um, Betty and Alanda, and they were ju- they had this smile that just came. I mean, it was a 10,000-watt smile. And I introduced them to TJ, and we managed to communicate very roughly that we were mother and daughter. And uh, that was cool to them. That was okay. And then the guys came, home, came back. Yeah, they came home from work for the day. And uh, Betty and Alanda were there, and we were communicating. And Sean and Justin walked up, and... Uh, I introduced Sean and Justin, and we were able to communicate completely that we were a family, that I was wife, husband, son, and daughter, that we were all there, and we were all there together. And these girls, their 10,000-watt smile, like, went 10 times brighter, and they were just started chattering like little magpies and, and telling everyone around them. They, they were just like, they, they couldn't wait to turn around and tell somebody else and then tell somebody else. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was like, I have no idea what, what they're so excited about. And I talked to uh, our translator later, and I said, what, what was going on? I, I can't understand what they're saying. Can you please tell me what the issue was here? They were, we were the first full family they'd ever seen. I mean, the week was marked by the phrase, Blanc, what is your name? I mean, Blanc, we're white, Blanc, that's what they call us, Blanc, what is your name? And these people, we were the first white family they'd ever seen serving together, and it was just confirmation that God meant for us to go as a family and to support them and to show that family is important to us just like it's important to them. And for me, that was the absolute highlight of my week. I already shared mine. Mine was leaving the markers. Well, mine's easy because, like I said, I went in 09, and when I went in 09, I went by myself. Um, last year, uh, four, four of the five up here joined me, and then this year, uh, Deanne joined to make a six, uh, you know, a team of six. And, and so my highlight of the week was kind of just an overarching observation of watching um, God take people who two years ago weren't there uh, or who, you know, just take even the team that we were on, 21 folks from five different churches uh, that, that God just took and melted us together in, in, uh, in that situation. In, I'm not going to say complete unity, but in, <laughs> in, in harmony, uh, let's see, tolerable harmony. How about that? Um, uh, you know, to be able to accomplish the work, to start uh, the foundation on a building that, um, you know, is going to be used for the next 60 or 70 years. Uh, by teams that are coming in, uh, that that literally uh, this team had a hand in changing uh, that town or, or in bringing the gospel to that town. And it's not that the church that was there was not doing it. Uh, I just I think it's cool that God has used these folks and, and others to magnify that. I mean, just like my voice is being magnified by this microphone. Uh, that was my highlight of the trip is just watching all of those different personalities and all those different temperaments and all those different, uh, you know, uh, skill sets come together uh, by God's perfect and sovereign will. And, and for him to do something that only he could do um, was just really the highlight of my week. And uh, so, I, I, I don't know, you guys got anything else to add? If not, we're just going to leave it at that. It's about time anyways. I don't want to get accused of going over again, you know. I'm just kidding. I did, actually, at 7.01. Well, thank you guys for coming tonight. Um, We've had some folks that asked us to record uh, tonight and uh, to put this on the website. So if you know somebody that wasn't here tonight, um, sometime tomorrow we should have this thing uploaded. 
Uh, it's just audio. There, we don't have video capabilities. But if, uh, if you know somebody that wants to hear um, what went on tonight, you can point on that direction. Uh, it's all free. Uh, all of our sermon podcasts and that kind of stuff are free. Um, but you can go to coastaloakschurch.org, and there's a tab that says resources, and it's right there. You can download it. You can listen to it. You can share it with a friend, and it'll be up tomorrow. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll be finished tonight. Thank you guys for coming. God, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to share what you've done in us and through us and with us. And uh, God, we just pray um, for uh, our involvement as a church uh, there in Dewey. God, that uh, you would just continue to direct our path. Um, God, we pray uh, for just uh, clarity uh, as we move forward in the future. If we're supposed to go back, God, we just uh, give that to you. Uh, and, and commit to you that we will go where you send us. And uh, God, that's that's not only true for Haiti, but God, wherever in the world you send us. Uh, God, thank you for the privilege of uh, working for your kingdom. God, thank you for the privilege of being a light uh, of the gospel uh, in places where there is no light, in places where it is dark. Um, God, thank you for uh, people who you have called to go, and not just these six on the stage, God, but uh, others in the church who've you, who, have, who you have called out and, and given a, a vision or a desire to serve you in many countries across the world. God, we just pray that you would continue to use us. You continue to have your will and your way with us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming.